everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Today, you're listening to episode 112, and it's a bonus episode. I'm talking with the one and only Dina Castor. Really excited about this episode, you guys. If you have not listened to my first episode with Dina, a lot of you have maybe found my show through that episode. Uh, Go back, though, if you haven't listened to it, and listen to episode 88. It is one of the best episodes we've had on this podcast to date. So much positive, great information there. And Dina's book, which we did talk about in that first episode, drops today. Let Your Mind Run, a memoir of thinking my way to victory. So Dina's out doing a media tour, and I definitely wanted to grab an interview with her to talk about her book. And she's also running the Boston Marathon this year. Really excited about that as well. So she will be towing the line in Hopkinton on Monday, this coming Monday. If you're not familiar with Dina, though, she holds the American record in the marathon with a time of 2.19.36. And she also holds the Masters Marathon record with a time of 2.27.47. She has so many titles to her name. I can't even name them all right here. One more better name, though, is that she did win a bronze medal at the 2004 Olympics in Athens. Okay, okay. She's also won the London and the Chicago Marathon. I'll stop. I'll stop. Anyway, in this episode, you guys, we talk about her book and that process, and I can't wait to read it. I just got my notification in Amazon that it was on its way to my door, and I'm really excited because we are going to read Dina's book for the May Book Club Choice. For those of you who don't know, we do have a book club with this podcast. We read a book together each month. It's super casual, nothing crazy, but I have a Facebook group and that's just a small part of the group. Some people in the group read it, some people don't, no big deal, but we do bring up the different books that we talk about in the group. If you guys go to Facebook, I'll link it in the show notes as well, lindsayhine.com. You can ask to join the group. It's a private group and we just get to know the community over here. And we'll definitely be talking about Dina's book in the coming month over there on the page. It's I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine group. Before we get started with Dina's conversation, though, I do want to thank PrepDish for supporting this podcast episode. PrepDish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service. When you sign up for PrepDish, you get an email every week with a grocery list and instructions for prepping your meals ahead of time. It takes only one to three hours of prepping on the weekend and you'll have all your meals ready for the entire week. The founder, Allison, who is a chef and dietitian, is offering listeners of this podcast a free, did you hear me? It's free, two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. And they have paleo, gluten-free, and dairy-free options. PrepDish is very interactive and they also are very responsive. Their customer service is amazing. I actually interviewed Allison, the founder, on this podcast, and she talks about how she left the corporate world and started this awesome business, and it's pretty inspiring to hear her story. She's got a passion for creating healthy, delicious, and creative meals. So you guys, let Allison make your life easier and check out this free two-week trial. So go to prepdish.com another and use the code another to get two weeks for free. Thanks, Prep Dish, for supporting this episode of the podcast. 
All right, you guys, let's go ahead and get started and enjoy this conversation with Dina Castor. All right, we've got Dina Castor on the show today, and you're a returning guest, Dina. I'm so excited to have you back on. I, I always look forward to chatting with you, Lindsay. Your episode, I have to tell you, was like monumental in this entire podcast. I have had the most phenomenal feedback from it. Oh, that's awesome. It's because you're a good interviewer. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> but it was so, uh, it was such a good timing because we talked right before the New York City Marathon. Um, right. Yeah, right before Monumental Marathon. So I literally put your episode out Friday and then all those races were like Saturday and Sunday. And so many people were like, I listened to that episode right before my race and used so much of it during the race, myself included. Oh, that's awesome because I, I feel like when you're kicking back and tapering that it's it's perfect timing to to put your headphones on and listen to listen to a podcast, read a good book. It's all it's all perfect part of the taper. Yes. Okay, so today's the day, right? Your book comes out today. I can't believe it. It is so extraordinary. I feel like I've been waiting for this day. This is this today makes it all worth it. It was a really hard process writing and um, and forming forming the the right arc of story, like so much went into um, the the agony of of putting those pages together for the past couple of years. So today is is so worth it to see that it can get into the hands of people. And I wrote the it's it's a memoir, but I feel like I wrote it more that not that people learned more about me in reading, but could possibly discover more about themselves. So that was my motivation in writing. Let Your Mind Run, a memoir of thinking my way to victory. So many people I've seen posting on social media that they pre-ordered it. They heard you on the episode in November and they're like, I, my book is arriving and I just got notification yesterday that my book is being sent. Amazon. Yeah, I got my Amazon notification. So I'm only sad that I wasn't able to read it before we chatted again, but this is still really exciting. Oh, great. Great. Well, I hope I do hope that you that you take something away, something that sticks with you for for a long time, because I feel like our our um, minds can be our greatest advocates or, or our worst enemy. And it's in our power to to make sure it's one or the other. So it's worth the work to to um, to be a cheerleader for ourselves, to shape our minds more positive and in doing that and paying attention and and reshaping being how we think we can actually really get into a habit of of being a little more optimistic and and research shows scientifically that that positivity is definitely a part of of highly successful people. Yeah, well, I was reading an interview you did with something somewhere and um you had kind of said your husband kind of gave you the nudge to write the book and you kind of said, well, I've, I've come from this like background that was relatively easy. Like I've always been supported, didn't grow up in some war-torn area. And what did he have to say to you to, to really get you to believe like, no, I really have something to say and people are really going to take something from this? Yeah, he just said that my that my thinking was different. That I can come out of a out of a situation with entirely different perspective, even than him. That we could be spending twenty four seven together, traveling Europe, and we have flight delays and and miss a train or things things happen during during travel as they often do, and they only get worse it seems. But but that I always had like a oh good if our, if we can't get on the plane, let's go sit down and have a nice meal or like. Go 
let's go make sure that we can um, let's go um, do some research and see what we should look for when we get off the plane on the other side. So I feel like like sometimes our initial reaction is to feel self-pity or be frustrated and it's fine to acknowledge that, but then to see how you could actually move on and, and, and grow from, from something that seems challenging or, um, or even self-defeating. Well, yeah. And you talk about this, you talked about this in our first episode, how like our mindset can shift the way we view our life. I mean, you're really into living your life full of gratitude and, we can apply that to running, anything that we do, and you learn that pretty early on in your career. And so do you think that that kind of changed the tra- trajectory of, I mean, your life altogether? I mean, what if you hadn't taken on that mindset? Right. I am actually so glad I didn't quit running when I intended to after college because I do feel that my life has been enriched with with the challenges of, of trying to pursue the, the best part of that's part of me as an athlete, but I certainly found it outside of running that um, I feel fortunate that in running, we could add that challenge on a daily basis. We can push to our limits and and find the the mental tools to to overcome and get to the finish line of, of races. And, and that is really empowering. But to be able to use those same tools to apply that to our own lives is um, is the most important that the races don't really matter. But cultivating that character and that habit of positive thought is important. And so making it important in a running moment makes it more easy, more easy easy to rely on it when the going gets hard in life. Yes, that is so true because it's easy to get caught up in the in the race and you know like this is the most important thing in my life right now but really is it, you know, like and that's coming from someone who that right. is your career. I mean, you're an elite athlete, you've won an Olympic medal. I mean, so that's really good to hear. Yeah, and I could be in the middle of a race in the lead pack and uh, and it's down to 3 of us and I'm starting to suffer a little and I'm like well, third isn't that bad. Like, wait, wait a second. Wait, why am I being defeated all the way back here when we still have a few more miles to go? And digging down and, and realizing like this moment does matter, not because the race really matters, but because winning was your goal. And these choices are defining who you are and creating your mental habits. And so so you have the choice to to dig down or give up, to retire or inspire. To I mean, there's a million flip flops in our in our thoughts, but making sure that that your final choice is actually serving your goal and and um, defining you as the person that you want to be is important. So I mean, do you think that those those mental switches have gotten you to the finish line first? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we like. Part of part of racing is getting to that the riding that line of of being able to sustain it and feeling like you might not sustain it. So um, I feel like we should push our limits like that in our careers with our families to do the best without smothering. You know, I want to be the best mom ever, but I don't want to smother. Like it's riding that line in life all the time, and um, and so I feel like you could bring that to anything that that approach to anything in life and pushing yourself in your career, but not to the point where you're burnt out and unhappy, but pushing yourself with um, with purpose and meaning and and giving back and um, and knowing what resonates with you and what empowers you, what makes you feel good. And most of the time, what feels good is giving back. I think the entire purpose of writing this book was because I realized that all that we possess, time and money and food and knowledge, 
the value of it really increases the moment we share it with another person. Did you share anything in the book? Like, did anything come out of you that you didn't think you were going to share that you thought, no, this is really important for getting my message out? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think the one thing that that surprised me is um, is just talking about being adopted. It was very brief, brief in the book that I that I mentioned it, but a lot of people don't know that I were that I was adopted because I don't share it very very often, if ever. And I stopped sharing it when I was younger, when I would be playing with my sister, who's actually um, who my parents actually gave gave birth to biologically. Um, four years after me, I, I, I tell her when we would feud as, as siblings, I said she was an accident. Like I was chosen and she was an accident, <laughs> but I obviously just, just, but, um, but we look so different. I'm fair complected and, um, and have blonde hair and a boxy figure and she's voluptuous in all the right places and has these dark, beautiful arching eyebrows and long, dark hair and, um, and big white teeth. She's just like striking and beautiful. Um, and my polar opposite as far as as far as looks could go. And so people would say, well, you guys are sisters. It's funny because you don't look alike. And as soon as I would people that I was adopted, we'd get responses like, oh, I'm sorry. Or, oh, then you're not really blood related. And I'm like, huh, like people don't really get it. It's like we like we're just as much sisters as, as anybody else is under, under a roof being raised by, by a caring mom and dad. So, um, so I just, we just stopped telling people my, my mom even got so sick of hearing comments like that, that she said that she had an affair with the milkman to someone. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. So, um, so not many people know that I was adopted, but I really, to get back on point, I guess, I, I really believe that that was my first lesson in positivity, that we have the ability to to choose our reality. And when you're adopted, you were given up by one family and you were chosen by another family. And I never felt given up. I always felt chosen. So I always felt special because of that. And so I think um, that that was really my first lesson in, in choosing in choosing. Um, your stories, choosing the story that I wanted to that I wanted to share, that I was going to share being adopted on my own terms, and that was um, and that was that um, that uh, in the in the book itself, I don't talk about the um, the idea of it of being chosen or rejected, but I talk about it in the sense that it was like my my genetic talent of of running was a was a surprise because um, because I didn't know my my past and my history. So it was a trait running running well was like a trait like having freckles and blonde hair. Yeah, because oftentimes you do hear of elite runners whose parents were were good runners or something like that. Yes, and so it's kind. It kind of acts as a template. Like you think, oh, my um, my parent was an Olympian, so I'm going to be an Olympian. Matt Centrowitz comes to mind. Shalane Flanagan. Um, they come from this um, this lineage of of great athletes. And my neither of my parents were athletes, but my gosh, they've been huge supporters. They're coming to New York City today to be here for my book launch. They're going to then take a train with me to Boston to be there for the marathon. So over the years, more than thirty. 
34 years of traveling the world with me and coming to my races and being supported. That's kind of um, that's the kind of upbringing I've had. So that's why I was tentative on writing a book because I have it all. I have like the most amazing family. I have an amazing husband now who continues to support me and um, and really be into my endeavors. So I just feel um, I just feel lucky in a sense, but also fortunate to have had good guidance. Isn't that amazing what a spouse can do too? Like I feel so the same way with my husband. Like he supports everything I do. And even if my dreams sound crazy, he's right there behind me. And I mean, the person that you're with 24 seven can really have a huge impact on how your mind goes when you're thinking of these dreams. Absolutely. And the support is everything. And even if people can't find it in a, in a spouse to find it in, find it in someone, um, find it in, in, in someone out there, whether it's a training partner or someone to, someone to run with a mentor, even, even following someone inspirational on social media to find the support to, to really pursue your dreams. Okay. So we're going to, I'm going to pick your book for, so I have a book club with this podcast. We read one book a month. Um, right now we're reading 10% happier by Dan Harris. Have you read that book? Oh, yes, it was excellent. Yes. I'm, I wasn't sure what I would think about it because I've never done the whole meditation thing, but I'm like, I'm flying through it. It's, it's very well written. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, it's not a surprise that he, that he's a good writer, um, with his, his background, but, um, but I, I actually really loved his book and I thought that it made him very vulnerable Mm -hmm. to be able to, to open up talk about talk about his life in that way when he's such a public figure yeah I mean yeah he's talking about drug addiction and all kinds of crazy stuff yeah so let your mind run is going to be the May book club choice this was like the easiest pick ever for me so I'm really excited and I think a lot of the I think a lot of the people in the group are gonna are gonna read it and I know they're gonna love it I love that. And Lindsay, I will send you some like book club questions oh, just to spawn a conversation. I would love to oh, do to come up fun. with some questions to spawn the conversation for you guys. That yeah. That would be so awesome. Okay. Very cool. Well, we have to talk about Boston. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'll get you those questions after Boston. <laughs> you kind of have something else going on. Well, my, my first question about Boston is at this point in your career, I mean, you are in this like media frenzy right now with your book coming out today and all this going on. Um, is this this is different than what you normally would do before a big marathon, huh? I I would typically be in my hotel room ordering room service and watching like reruns of The Voice or something. Um, so this is very different from from a taper, but but I worked really hard on this book and to not to and and I feel like it's such a privilege to follow through with um, with with seeing that it gets into the to the hands of people that want to read it, and that I can visit with people over over the book with discussions on on how they can have some takeaways in in reading and um, and really to show people that they that they have so much more power over over their future than they ever ever believed. They're more powerful, more enduring, more resilient, more. Um, more capable than, than they ever knew. And it sometimes just takes paying attention and switching, switching our mindset a little bit. So you are racing competitively though. Like you're, you're bringing it. You're not just like running Boston for fun. Yeah. I I put it on my schedule because I was so sedentary and so unfit while I was writing this book that I really wanted to, to, I really wanted an excuse to get back into shape. And I chose the most historic, um, arguably the most prestigious marathon in our country 
And so I'm, um, I put that on the schedule and urgently got to work to try to get fit again. And I just can't believe how it started clicking that my body felt so good moving every week. I felt I was gaining strength and endurance and speed. And it just felt really fun to, to see that climb, to witness that climb back into fitness. I felt like, I felt like I was putting in the work, but I, I felt more of a witness to it and really amused by it, grateful for it. Um, so I'm really in a good place going into the Boston Marathon. Do you think that some of that clicking so quickly was had to do with the fact that you put so much of your life and energy into the book that your body and your mind was just ready for this change? Yeah, I, I think my body and mind was ready to put the book to bed <laughs> and, get, and get moving again. Yeah, and just like that that intense desire to get back to your passion. I mean, I was sharing my passion and sharing my process through the writing, through writing, but, um, but not actually able to walk the walk while I was writing. So I got to, um, to shut my computer down and put my running shoes back on. And it felt very freeing and very uh, delicious to do that. (laughs) How much were you running though when you were writing it? I mean, were you casually running like 40 miles a week or something? Uh, I might have run 40 miles in two months, maybe three month period. I, um, I might've run once a week Wow. or, or, or not at all, depending on the, depending on what deadline was coming up. Yeah. It was just an all inclusive project. I had a co-author who was demanding, which I wanted her to be, um, and who I felt deeply indebted to. Um, because she was working so hard. I had a editor here at at Penguin Random House Crown that um, that was that was demanding in different ways with deadlines and wanting more more of the story, more of this, more of my emotion, more of what I was feeling, more of what I was thinking in everything that I wrote. So it was always going back to the drawing board and rewriting and and um, expanding sections immensely in four months. Um, after we turned our first our first draft in, we had four. Michelle and I, my co-author Michelle Hamilton and I, had four months to till our till our next deadline, and we doubled the book in four months. So that those four months were excruciating, and no running at all in those four months. It was sometimes getting up at four in the morning to make a cup of coffee and get on the get on Skype with her, and then um, and then be on Skype. Um, one day we logged fifteen hours um, connecting on Skype to be able to go through and get the, get the right, the right wording, the right story, the right angle down on paper. Wow. Well, that's a testament to balance because I feel like people like to say you, you can't have balance, like balance is BS, but I like to say that's not true. And why, what I'm saying about that is yes, your life wasn't running and writing and all these things, but like for that part of your life that that four months or you know whatever like that's what you were choosing for your focus to be and so though everything wasn't kind of like in its own perfect spot right then that doesn't mean your life wasn't balanced and I think that people get overwhelmed thinking I have to train for a marathon season after season season but I also want to do this with my career and I also want to do that but if you really want to feel balanced you have to let things have a ride in the back seat sometimes Absolutely. Um, you have to put things in their place and whatever you, it's really about priorities. My priority was to make sure that I put out a book I was really proud of. I wasn't just going to let something fly on the shelves that, um, that didn't resonate, that, um, that wasn't challenged, that I don't feel like, um, I wanted to know that I grinded through the hardest of hard and, and, 
and spilled the beans so that it could be in um, one of the best compliments I've gotten so far on the book was that it was an easy read, like that the person read it in two days. And I was thinking like, that's funny because it was not an easy <laughs> write. I was actually glad that it read in an easy way, that it was easy, easy to digest, easy to understand as opposed to any portions that might have been cryptic or um, unrelatable. So I was really happy to hear that. Hey, everybody. I hope you're loving this conversation with Dina. I was so honored to be able to talk to her again on the show. Before we continue the conversation, I want to thank one of our sponsors, and that is Lily Trotters. Lily Trotters is one of my favorite companies. They have stylish, high-performance compression socks. Lily Trotters compression socks are marathon strong and designer-inspired. You get fit, comfort, and style, whether you're running a marathon or a mile. I love that they are made in the USA and they are perfect for the runner, traveler, or expectant mom. So you should treat yourself or treat one of your friends, send a little gift, and check them out because guess what? They're offering you guys 25% off. That's a big discount. Use the code ANOTHER at checkout when you go to lilytrotters.com. That's L-I-L-Y-T-R-O-T-T-E-R-S.com. And use the code ANOTHER to get 25% off your order. Thanks, Lily Trotters, for supporting this episode of the podcast. Hey, and while Dina and I are talking about Boston, I want to remind you guys that I'm doing a casual meetup at Lamplighter Brewery in Cambridge this coming Sunday from 2 to 4 p.m. Sunday, April 15th from 2 to 4 p.m. A bunch of my girlfriends are going to be there. Glenn's going to be there. And we're just going to do a casual meetup to get to know some listeners and friends from social media. It's going to be a blast. Cannot wait to get to Boston this weekend. All right, let's continue this conversation with Dina. So, okay, Boston again. You ran uh, the master's record, 227, in Chicago in 2015. Are you after that? Um, I'm I'm not. I don't think I'm... um... I don't think I'm after a time goal. I just wanted to get as fit as possible to to get into the race. And I was thinking about it last night, knowing that some goal questions would be coming up as the as the marathon approaches. And there's um, there was a time goal. I was thinking I wanted to run um, close to what I ran in Chicago, but I actually don't know about the weather or how the race sure. is going to set up. And I was like, well, I do want to get in the top 10, but I have no idea anyone else's fitness. I only know my own. So I just thought I'm going to go there and I know the feeling um, of exertion that I can ride out, that I can withstand for 26.2 miles. And I'm going to, I'm going to push, I'm going to ride that line and then push the limits of it later in the race. And, um, and so that's more of my plan. My plan is more on feeling when I'm out there. You know, I interviewed Molly Huddle a couple months ago talking about Boston. And one thing she said when we were talking about the race, she said, don't count Dina out. She's going to be there. <laughs> oh no, she's um she's being kind and and um and that's that's very sweet. But I she just hot off hot off the hot hot out <laughs> of the new year went and broke the um my American record in the half marathon and did it 
in a very aggressive way. Um, it was a, a stunning race. I was fortunate enough to be in Houston um, while she while she broke the record. So it was really extraordinary. I feel like she definitely has a future in the marathon distance, and I'm super excited. She's definitely one of my podium picks this year. Yeah, what's it like for you to be out there? I mean, so you say like you like you would like to see yourself in a top 10 finish. So you're a contender to be in the top, you know? So what's it like for you being 45, kind of being out there with all these young girls who are kind of, I mean, the American marathoning scene is just insane right now. Yeah. And I, I was, I, I can't believe that, that I have had the, the privilege of owning the American record in the marathon for 15 years. It seems like it shouldn't be that, that long. (laughs) It shouldn't have been that long ago. It doesn't feel that long ago, but I, I really feel like American distance running is in such a good place right now on men's and women's side because there's depth to it that they, you know, when um, they're they're out there and they're not only competing against the rest of the world, but they're really competing to be the top of top American. And I used to chuckle in, in races when I was younger when someone would say, well, at least you were top American. I'm like, well, that doesn't really hold any weight. <laughs> but now it does. Now it does because it's a it's a stellar a stellar marathoning field that's out there right now. And so they're not only getting on the, on the world stage, um, trying to beat the best of the world, but they're trying to beat each other to be the best in the world. So I think that's really extraordinary. Talk to me about Jordan. I mean, she debuted in Boston three minutes faster than any American woman marathoner ever. That's insane. And then she ran that 220 in Chicago. Like, what do you think? Yeah, I think she's um, she's certainly found her distance in in, um, in running. That um, she has found her found her niche. It was so exciting to to watch her to watch her run well in Boston. It was you know equally exciting um, a couple years before that to watch Des Linden get second in Boston. So it's like we're slowly seeing um, the Americans um, move up the ranks and give these great performances but anytime an American is in a major marathon they're they're pushing for that for that podium and then we saw Jordan do it again in Chicago and then boom Shalane wins New York City so it was just it's such an exciting time for American distance running and the the women have been relentless to get on that podium but it's certainly paying off I can't wait I'm really excited because this year I get to go and be a spectator so I get to watch you guys all come in rain or that's great rain or shine I actually thought like, oh my gosh, like of all years to run, I actually kind of want to sit on the sidelines and watch this race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go run it, um, regardless. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong, but in my research is 2007, the only other time you've run Boston. It is. And it was the year of the Nor'easter. I ran, I ran Boston in 2008 as the Olympic trials. So it wasn't the Boston course. They had a um, a looped course through the through Back Bay so that it could be spectator friendly, and they did an amazing job hosting the Olympic trials. So um, I made my third Olympic team there in Boston in 2008. But in 2007, I ran I ran the the race from Hoptington to to Back Bay to Boylston Street, and um, and uh, it was a terrible day. I had to use the porta potty twice during the race. It was there was a nor'easter that um, luckily wasn't it was terrible the day before but um but the day of it eased up a little bit and um and just had a a miserable day out there I was ended up in fifth place but um but my training my training was much better than that 
Yeah, I watched a pre-race interview and then a post-race interview. And I, you know, at the time I didn't remember what had happened. It was actually before I had started marathoning myself. So I didn't follow it too closely at the time. But yeah, in the pre-race interview, they said something like, um, are you going to let anybody get away? And you said, no, absolutely not. And then those bathroom issues happened. I mean, you can't control that. Oh my gosh. Like it I was like, this is terrible timing. And it, it just, yeah, it's you, I mean, I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to push through it. Right, right. <laughs> you don't want to be I that have, person. Yeah, I have too much pride for that. Okay, so have you have you done any running on the course this year? I haven't, no. Nope. But you know it. I love, I love staying at home and putting in the work. There's nothing better to me than just, um, than just, staying at home in Mammoth Lakes at altitude for three months of uninterrupted training and um, and getting that feedback through training that week after week we're doing similar workouts. And so you just see yourself increase in fitness and increase in fitness. And to me, that's where my confidence comes from. And do you visualize the parts of the course and the different miles that you're going to be going up and down and all the different things that happen? Yeah, I, I I do visualize the the course quite a bit because Andrew Caster, the coach of the Mammoth Track Club, and my husband. But um, in running terms, I'll just really uh, I'll uh, uh, talk about him as my coach. Um, he uh, he did a lot of course specific training, so making sure we're getting in downhill pavement on on um, on tired legs and a lot of long tempo runs, the last part being downhill. So we're kind of beating up our legs and getting our legs used to it. And in doing that, you want to make sure you've got a big recovery day the next day so your body doesn't continue to damage. Um, so just really riding those waves of exertion and and then rest phase to be able to adapt so we can handle the, the course in Boston. Are any of the other people on your team running? I have um, two teammates running. Monica Prell is going for an Olympic trials qualifying standard and Daniel Tapia will be running. Oh, cool. So fun. Um, Yeah. What's that like training with the group? Do you love it? There is nothing I would rather do than wake up in the morning and meet my teammates for a run. It gives me such joy. It holds me accountable. It keeps me disciplined. It keeps me honest in training. They push me every day. Um, Andrew, uh, does a lot of manipulating our our workouts so that we're always pushing each other. He'll stagger our starts on on a tempo run so that I'm chasing some of the slower women and the the fat and the the slower men are chasing chasing me and the faster men are chasing the slower men who are chasing me. And so it really we're spread out along the along the course just duking it out and it really is a race scenario, but it keeps it playful in my mind. So when I get to to races and I'm trying to catch the people ahead or fend off the people from behind, it feels very familiar to me. Yeah, I was going to say, what a race simulator for sure. Yes, yes. And then I just like the social aspects of it. Running has always been very joyful and social to me. So to be able to meet my teammates who I consider my my closest friends, the conversations you have on on long runs um, don't happen um, when you're sitting there having tea. So um, so I really feel like uh, like we we know a, a deep part of one another that makes our friendships really invaluable. Yeah, there's something about running with someone for a long time that things come out of your mouth that you would not normally tell people, right? Yes, it's like a vulnerable place that you just share it, share it all. And um, and so because of that, those friendships are very deep. So will he be at the finish line? Is that I mean, I feel like Boston, you can't really hop around. 
your coach, your husband. Yeah. Yeah. So Andrew and my daughter Piper, she's seven. Um, they're meeting me in Boston at the end of this week and, um, and they'll both be at the finish line. Oh, that's so fun. Okay, Dina. So you have to give us so many people that are going to listen to this are going to be running Boston this weekend, my husband included. So you have to give everybody some advice on the course and the day and everything. I think, um, I think don't obsess about the weather would be my first, my first thing, just make adjustments for the weather, adjust your training plan, no matter what happens, adjust the gear that you're wearing. Um, I like to, if it's going to be rainy, I like to wear a hat. Um, I wear a hat anyway to keep, if it's sunny, it keeps the sun off my face. If it's rainy, it keeps the rain off my face. Um, so it's always a good, um, a good addition if it's, if it's going to be a rainy morning, but to, to know that to have the trust that you've put in the work is um, is really important, but to also accept that there's going to be an, a moment in the race that it's going to get hard, and um, and to know that you have the capability to transcend that. And a lot of times, I would encourage people to um, the night before the race, um, when we start to doubt um, doubt ourselves and question the training, to wonder if we lost fitness in the week that we tapered, um, which always seems to get me that I give myself three reasons um, that I should succeed. And when you're focusing on the three reasons that you should succeed, you stop obsessing about the reasons that you will fail. So um, so committing those reasons that you're going to succeed to memory. And then when the going gets tough in the race, to remember those reasons. Remember why you're capable, why you're able to, to do what, you're, what you want your body to do in that moment. And to just keep trying. If that's not working, then to think of a mantra. I like to use the words define yourself because it really makes the moment more important than just about um, giving in or digging down. It makes it about developing the character traits that I want. So I make the moment very important in that time when it gets hard. And then if that's not working, then I find a distraction. I look at signs on the side of the road. So just have your arsenal ready, but know that just the mere act of thinking yourself through it is getting you there. I wrote define yourself on my arm for my marathon after we talked the first time. Yes. Yeah. And I love that. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. That's fantastic. I put it in Sharpie and I, I really did. I had a really tough mental day that day. I, my body was kind of achy cause I had taken a fall carrying my son a couple days before. And so my body was just not feeling good, but I mentally like owned that day. And I really think that, a lot of things we talked about helped me helped me get there, and because I very easily could have let that day crumble, and so um, I was proud, you know. And I think that that whole define yourself in that moment, like I can decide I'm going to give up, or I can decide I'm going to push through this and still work as hard as I possibly can, even if it's not as fast as I thought it was going to be. That's so that's so fantastic to hear. I'm so I'm actually so proud of proud of you for getting through that moment, but. Also knowing that some of those harder days are the days we can be the most proud of getting through. Yeah, even if they're not the best, the fastest time you thought you were going to run because you knew, you know where your head was mentally. Right, right. And, and that gives you that gives you now the power to get through to get through other struggles with as much grace. The other piece that I took from your interview was you tell yourself that the mind steers the ship and that is so powerful. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so, yeah, just point it in the direction you want to go and don't give it any other option. (laughs) 
All right, Dina. Well, I cannot wait to cheer for you in Boston. I'm so excited, and I'm I'm going to be probably. I think that we're going to set up before Boylston, but you know, like after the 25 mile marker. So we'll be looking yeah. for you and screaming. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, everyone's going to need you there. <laughs> That's a good spot to be, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, best of luck with uh, the rest of the media stuff. I know you have a big New York Roadrunners event tonight, don't you? Yes, it's a sold out event for for my book launch this this evening. So I am I couldn't be happier. And I'm back in the place that my marathon career started. So it seems um, it seems very apropos to be here in New York City. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on the book launch. And I can't wait to read it along with so many other people that are going to read it with me in my book club. No, thank you so much, Lindsay, for always being supportive. I always enjoy visiting with you. All right. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Thanks, Dina, for taking the time to talk to me. You guys go grab a copy of her book, Let Your Mind Run. I have linked to that book in the show notes. And don't forget to join our book club. Join our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. You guys can follow me over on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. And definitely make sure you're following Dina on Instagram. D-E-E-N-A, Dina, 8050. You can also find Dina on Twitter, Dina Caster. And you can find me as well at Lindsay Hine. All right, thanks Prep Dish for supporting this episode of the podcast. You guys, go get your free two-week trial. No brainer there. PrepDish.com slash another. Use the code another to get a free two-week trial of this awesome meal prep and planning. And thanks, Lily Trotters. Love Lily Trotters. You guys check them out, lilytrotters.com. Use the code ANOTHER to get 25% off your order. Links to all of that will be in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. If you guys are loving the show, I would so appreciate a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. It's one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And thank you so much to everybody who's already done so. And the other great way to share the show is to just word of mouth, just tell people or share it on your social media. That is super helpful. If you are running Boston this weekend, good luck. I cannot wait to cheer for so many people. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the course. Enjoy the spectators. Soak up the day because I know you guys have all put in a lot of hard work to get there. All right, you guys have a great rest of the week. And guess what? We get to see you again this week because... It's only Tuesday right now, and my regular episodes air Friday. So I'll see you again before the weekend. Have a great day.